This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. <laughs> and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. I dare. So we, before we started, you asked me if I needed to burp. And I didn't, but then you put the thought in my head. So that voice was about me trying to sound very dig. Oh my God, are you going to burp? You're literally leaning back. And I keep waiting to gurgle. I don't burp. You I don't gurgle. Burp. And so I don't want to gurgle directly into the microphone if I do, but it keeps coming on. <laughs> yeah, we had lunch just before we started, so okay. it could happen. I got to say, I got to talk about our new microphones, all right? I know we've been talking about our new equipment now for weeks, and people are sick of hearing about it. Baby, let's talk about our equipment. Talk about my new equipment. Okay. They're, they have windscreens on them, which is weird because we're not outside. But anyway, they're so soft. But that's kind of how I play the um, the, the air conditioner. That's it, true. It is very Gale Force. So. But they are so soft, I want to rest my head. That's my drag name, Gale Force. I wanna re- you're not going with me on my bit. I'm trying to do a bit here about our microphones, and you're talking about drag queens. You're we need to come face together. on the microphone. Because it's, it's like so soft. It's scent marking. <laughs> it's soft. I'm like a cat. I am. I'm like scent marking it like it's a cat. Like, it's like... 
foam rubber. It's I know. not that soft. Well, I should probably have more foam rubber in my house because I'm such a fan. Apparently, you have a foam rubber fetish. <laughs> I think you should so. get a suit. That's it. You need a foam rubber suit. <sighs> oh, don't go Ryan Murphy on me. All right, let's let's bring it back in for a landing. Let's focus, Eric Shaw Quinn. Focus. Oh, let's so focus. the focus that was focusing. Do you have any any bits about our new cables? Maybe or new? We could just do new equipment shtick on our podcast for hours. Yeah, That'll I just be... can't think of anything that would be less interesting for people listening to the podcast than to hear about stuff they can't see and never will see. You okay. Want to talk about our red curtains some more? I really love our red curtains, and They're I wish gorgeous. more people saw them. They I are think gorgeous. We should post more pictures of them on social media and on the TikTok, which I have joined recently to be with the other young people. To learn from the young people on the TikTok. That's really, I can't wait to see how yeah, that plays out for I you. It's going to move one in. Do you in. want me to bail you out? No, they, not that <laughs> if young. They, if they come for you? No. Trying no. to be with the young people? My sense right now, based on my early experience, and as I said in one of my videos, because I'm a white guy, I need to pretend to be an expert on something I know nothing about, which is TikTok. Okay. Um, it's it's like 25 to 27 pretending to be much younger or acting like they're much younger. That's my sense. Totally unscientific. I haven't really taken any census polling or whatever. But um, the thing— Because you think actually young people would be wasting their time on the telephone? The, the, most, the most amusing TikTok people are old people. It's old, it's old, loud people. That's my favorite, some of my favorite accounts. It's like there's this one guy who just puts his mother on TikTok, and but she's that hysterical. that may be more to do with you than with TikTok. <laughs> it's because I'm now identifying with the moo-moo-wearing angry moms who are yelling at their kids to uh, shut the fuck up. I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of yelling. TikTok is a lot of yelling. Like, you I'm open it. I'm with the ice cubes kept falling out of my yeah. glass. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. All right. Or it's like, do you want to know how to get your toes, nails clean, but you don't want to have to deal with the medical establishment it's like oh my god just calm the fuck down whatever you're talking about jesus yeah a lot of a lot of fake gurus a lot of experts you know anyway I blah 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 i'm not on tiktok and you never will be because you're not a big social media person i'm really not i'm really not were you a big dead of winter person because that's what we're going to talk about today on true crime tv club you know i had a really interesting realization that um, recently that uh, Dead of Winter reminded me of. Okay. Well, we're going to get to that just in a short uh, minute here, but in <laughs> I'm going to advertise my toenail so cream. So first, we're not going to talk about the thing I just <laughs> asked you about. I'm sorry. Am I interrupting you? I'm just trying to get you worked up. Um, you want to talk about your realization now, or is this like a theory of the case that you want to get to at the end? This is one of those moments where you, we, you see your... As a writer, frequently, like years ago when I wrote Say Uncle, mm -hmm. um, like within a year of writing Say Uncle, there's a, there's a section in the part, the, the book, where Michael starts raving, raising hell and complaining about the food police, Yeah, which I had never heard anywhere before, never heard anybody say. It was something I came up with for the book. And then I heard, I think it was Matt Lauer, may have been Katie, but I think it was Matt say it on the Today Show, and I thought, wow, how cool is that? This little idea that I had has gone out into mm -hmm. the world in some way, or some circuitous way, it has worked its way around to this national media person saying mm -hmm. the food police. So um, we came up with the term when we first started doing True Crime TV Club called... Um, uh, Reincraptacular. Uh -huh. uh, re, yeah. No, rein, rein, 
Reincraptacular. That no, was that, it. It wasn't Reincraptacular. It was. Um, oh, I know. I'm going to offer one. I know you get upset when I just start spitting out possibilities. What's the original word? Reenactment. Reenactment. Reencrapment. Reencrapment. Yeah. We came up with the term reencrapment. Yes. It's in the new Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds movie. Get I the saw fuck the two out. of them promoting the movie and they did a clip, or maybe one of them oh said it. Oh my God. Maybe one of them said it in the interview. I can't remember which it was now, right. but it was like, oh. Oh. So it's gone out into the world, our little baby reencrapment, and that. it has come back to me in this way. So that was my recommendation. It is also my review of this particular. <laughs> okay, housekeeping notes or whatever, the logistics here. Okay. The the series is called Dead of Winter. The episode is called Last Christmas. It's season one. It's episode five. It's a Discovery ID show, which means it's streamable on Discovery+. Plus. Um, it's the first time we're ever doing Dead of Winter. And True Crime TV Club rule is if this is your first time joining us, you do not need to have seen the show. We're going to try to serve it up for you as if you've never seen it. And I think in the case of this one, you're going to be glad you didn't because it's got one of the worst performances of a reenactor that I've ever seen. I just think yeah. the reencrapment. And the thing that really blew my mind about this one was that the interviews are Great. They have great source people from the original investigation yeah. and all of it with all of the information you need. And then even though they've already told it to you, mm-hmm. then we go to some of the worst reenactments I've ever seen in my life. And they're way overdone. It's like they're almost performing yeah. the episode. It's uh, yeah. It was Here's just- the other thing. Here's the other thing. And we've learned, too. And this is a dead horse that I often beat. Uh, we we discovered that reenactments are also how the producers of the special lie about the case or put out a false version of the case, one that they think is more dramatic. How they gloss over and fill in right. the, the gaps with stuff that's one not of true. The worst cases we've we ever saw found a, was, like a story yeah. straight washed. They com- they used a scripted reenactment to eliminate the fact that the guy was gay and that he was killed in a gay hookup spot and he was killed by a man who was probably trying to pretend to seduce him. All this sort of stuff. And, yeah, so it's not just about being annoyed by stiff, wooden sort of porn film performances. It's also about being suspect about what is not being addressed. And I think that's an excellent point. If you have the detective who literally was in charge of the case. And they do. I want to hear him talk and I want to see pictures of the real people. That's it. That's all. That's it. That's it. I do not need you to waste a bunch of time and money hiring a lot of Canadians to wander (laughs) around in some bad set kitchen that was used for another show. Um, pretending to investigate this crime. It was just, just the worst. I, I would like to step in and say we have nothing but love for the Canadian people. I adore people. Canadian people. Don't you get me wrong. I love Canadian Many people. of our favorite listeners hail from the northern country. The only reason that I happen to think that these that these were particular um, episodes were filmed in Canada is because when they showed the products on the shelves in the kitchen, I was like, well, I don't recognize <laughs> any of those products <laughs> this was shot in canada i think it was just your delivery of canadian that i just loved it got a bunch of canadians <laughs> well, I'm always starting wars and so smuggling sorry. stuff no. i would never i would never in fact i actually aspire to live in canada to sort of be a canadian or or whatever because i think it will not once i tell you about the cascadia thrust fault mr i want to live in vancouver but that's that's neither here nor there that's just another thing so that coast just looks like where i belong yeah, and it's gonna it's gonna go. It's gonna be gone if there's ever well, a so subduction. Am I eventually, you know what the fuck. You have to, <laughs> All right. As long as the scenery is great, that's a great start. There or Venice, Venice, Italy. 
God, I would love to live in Venice. That's okay. the place I would most like to live in the world. All right. So you're a cheap. So it's the little things. It's, the, it's the simple things. <laughs> we can't, we don't have simple pleasures. <laughs> simple pleasures. Yeah. All right. Well, I want a Victorian mansion on the Vancouver coast or a palazzo in Venice. Okay. All, all I'm just saying is be up. You need to be at the top of a hill and you need to have an evacuation route because that is that is the one part of North America that could have a subduction zone earthquake on par with the Indian Ocean earthquake that caused the terrible New Year's Day tsunami in that part of the world that lives in our memories forever. This is my best friend. This is your best friend. I'm sitting there thinking, can we launch another podcast where instead of true crime, it's just disasters? I want to call it disasterology. We could, we could do a disasterology week. Like it's disasterology. One disaster a month. I wanted, like, I wanted it to be a whole different podcast where I'm in charge of everything and you have to do what I say. Aren't you already in charge of it? Not really. That's the illusion. That's the illusion. Okay. Um, I can tell we're just raring to get into this episode. We were huge fans. We've been talking about, I mean, you know, like it's, it's a horrible, it's a terrible crime. It's a terrible crime. Yeah. One of those, like, I think we're perfectly capable of rolling right into, how would you like to start? Well, let's, I mean, okay, so very reenactment film. It's Christmas Day, 1992. It's 1992 Christmas Day. We're introduced in a real interview to a woman named Mary Kay Fawcett, who tells us that her brother usually hosted Christmas. And I think Mary Kay and her husband aren't together anymore. That was, well, and her brother was the one hosting Christmas in 1992, and she doesn't reference him as having, or any husband being waiting with her for her son that night. So maybe they were not, there was never a... Maybe they weren't together yeah. even then. Maybe not. Um, her son Dean is nowhere to be found. He shows up to pick her up. He's an hour late and she's pissed. So because she tells us she is a fan of tough love... She leaves him alone on Christmas and goes to her brother's. She's like, I'm done with you. So apparently she has a way to get there without Dean. So I guess it was purely about wanting her son to be her, you know, go along with her. I have no idea. Maybe there was yeah. a bus. Maybe she had a sleigh. Yeah, that's what I was it. She seemed like the slang type yeah. of Mary Kay Fawcett. Uh, she's even <laughs> tough as nails. Um, yeah, she's yeah. When she comes home, Dean is gone, but she doesn't really think much of it at first because he, he's 22 years old and he goes out for long stretches and whatever. But then two or three days go by, and she gets concerned. Uh, they interview Bob Swanson, who is Dean's cousin, and he tells us that there were two Deans, one who's very serious and studious, and the other who is more mischievous, which in specials like these can be code for a lot of different things. When the cousin Bob... Why are you making that face at my beautifully detailed notes? What's going on with your facial expression? Is there a typo? <laughs> I think I watched the wrong show. <laughs> Did you watch Midnight Mass? Did you watch the other one we talked about? I I think I must have. I don't think I watched the right show. This what, is... you, no, but you were right there with Mary Kay Fawcett. I thought we were... Well, I didn't know that, that was her name. I thought it was the... The sister of the woman and her family who were brutally murdered no, in the home you invasion massacre. Show. You watched the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't I'll talk about this one you and then you the, talk about you this tell one. tell me the show and okay. I know we'll just do your show. I just think this is great. I just don't. I, the thing that's really funny is that we've been talking about the show this long. <laughs> Everything I said apparently applied about... Canadian products and shooting in <laughs> no, the kitchen. I remember the, I was like, there's no scene in a kitchen. And, and, the, and interviewing the, the, uh, the yeah. detectives and the unnecessary um, re-encrapments. Yeah. And then it was like, 
oh, that's yeah. this is bears no resemblance. Nobody's <laughs> son was involved in this. The children were tiny. They were five and four years old. Like they were I was looking at up. your face, and I was, I was like. like what the hell is going on? I kept on? thinking, well, maybe this is a part of the story I don't remember from the. <laughs> but it was like, no, this doesn't match up. Right. No, I don't know how she, she didn't go anywhere. I don't even think she. I, was, I don't think she's gotten off that uh, that uh, Barca lounger since 1985 when the crime first happened. Okay. Okay. All right. You, okay. You don't want to talk about the one you watched. You just want me to do this one. Just okay. tell me this one. Just tell right. me the story, and I'll react. I'll be your audience. Today. Okay. Well, it's about time. It's, it's me and the people of uh, the party people. All right. Well, so, uh, uh, so we met Bob Swanson, who's Dean's cousin. Uh, and when he hears the Dean is missing, he assumes that he's off on a quote harebrained adventure because that's how they talk in the Midwest. That's how Dean. We are in Barrington, Illinois, which I'm getting the sense that it's not too far outside Chicago. I believe it's in Cook County, which is the same county as Chicago. I could have Googled that, but I didn't because I was busy being me. Uh, January 2nd, 1993. (laughs) The show wasn't that good. And it really was Anyway, so whatever. Uh, Kevin T. Croak is our retired detective. (laughs) It's spelled C-R-O-K-E, so maybe it's Croak. I don't know. Either one is really bad in this context. That's really, um, yeah. Um, he takes the missing persons report. Weeks pass. There's no sign of Maybe Dean. It's croquet. Maybe so. Uh, January 18th, 1993, a mom and her daughter go for an after-school walk along some railroad tracks in Barrington, and they discover- so Just after the new year. A pink, fleshy thing sticking out of the snow. Oh, that's yeah. an alarming way to describe that something. That is literally how it was described in the special, a pink, fleshy thing. The cops arrive, they find an appendage sticking out, but there's no hand attached. And then they uncover the waistband of a pair of blue jeans, and they realize what they're dealing with is a partially dismembered corpse. The torso is without a head, it's missing its left arm, it's missing its right hand. The body is frozen solid, so they can't check the pockets for ID without cutting the front jeans pocket open, which they do, and in it they find a folded up piece of stationary paper that says Room 34, Followed by a telephone number, which they obviously don't show you in the special. It's a 555 number, which is a fake <laughs> because, phone yeah. number they use in movies. Um, if you don't know that, any number, that there is no phone number that begins with 555. So if they throw out a phone number in a movie, rather than run the risk of throwing out poor Ethel Sundberg's uh, right? phone like number without meaning to. came out as yeah. a hit song. That was actually somebody's phone number, and then people began calling them. <laughs> anyway... Um, the the room number or the telephone number leads them to a hotel, <laughs> I'm hotel air quotes a motel it looks like that's twenty miles away. The manager tells cops that he rented that room. So it's not the four seasons. No, it's very much not. There's one season in it's this. It's the one season, and it's hotel. winter. It's the one season. <laughs> They've yet to earn the other three. Uh, the manager tells cops that he rented the room to a woman named Nadine. I I can't remember how that pronounced. A pronounce. lot of lot of consonants. Very uh, like you know almost all consonants. Eastern European last name. She's been staying there a month, so it's, the trip's been going real well. <laughs> She's really enjoyed this hotel. That one season is just working for her, babe. She's wanted on a warrant, so they arrest her immediately. On that warrant. Nadine. So, yeah, so they can bring her in and question her about her connection to the corpse <laughs> and how to pronounce her last goddamn name. Exactly. Right. But, lo and behold, she tells them, I'm an informant for the FBI. 
So at this point— I'm going to have to remember that. That's a great trick. Don't well, arrest me. I'm an informant for the FBI. Well, it didn't really play that way. They continued to arrest her and brought her to jail while they verified her that's claim. so—that's a terrible thing. I feel bad for Nadine. So the FBI agent they talked to say, um, yes— Nadine is my informant, but he just says there doesn't appear to be a connection between your John Doe and the case she's working on and with the FBI, but I'm not going to tell you what the case is. So it's like, I'm sorry, how do you know? Like, there wasn't anything known about the John Doe other than it was a white guy who had been slightly dismembered. I realize dismemberment is kind of a full-on thing. There's really no such thing as slightly dismembered. You either are or you're not. Yeah, right. Um, But that's not addressed, and they keep rolling on. They show Nadine a picture of Dean, and she says she met him once around Christmas and IDs him by his correct name. And she reveals— there's no evidence of a connection. —that they were part of a group of people that were going Christmas shopping, writing bad checks for the gifts, and then selling the gifts for cash. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. So Nadine was um, committing bank fraud and selling uh, stolen goods, fencing stolen goods, mm-hmm. but but she's okay with the FBI. <laughs> she's down with the FBI. That seems really like pushing the envelope, but okay. So this was she was working on this with Dean. That's the story. Okay, so Nadine was a friend of two men, Paul Madrowski and Robert Faraci. And that these two men hatched a plan to go to Christmas shop to go Christmas shopping to write the bad checks, sell the gifts off for cash before anyone realizes the check is bad. And the cops target Dean to go along with this plan and to be the one who writes the checks. I'm sorry, the cops believe that Dean went along with this plan because he was just so desperate to have friends. Well, on December 27th, and 19- he really, really didn't want to go pick up his mom. Exactly. <laughs> And so on December 27th, 1992, Dean shows up at Nadine's hotel room. So here's the word of advice out there. If you're desperate to have friends and you're falling in with a group of criminals, um, don't make it clear that if you go down, you're going to take everyone down with you. Because that, that seems a bad plan. was basically what Dean said to Nadine. And so Nadine, being, I guess, the good, loyal criminal that she is, let Paul and uh, Robert Faraci know that Dean had basically said this, that if he gets in trouble, everyone's going down with him. Uh, so so other people told her this. She didn't hear him say it. No, no, no. Dean Dean came to her hotel room and oh. said, yeah, if I get busted, I'm going to take it. Now, this is all Nadine, right? This is Nadine's version of events. And then Nadine was, 
the reenactment depicts her as being conflicted, and I'm like, what the fuck? You were just ratting out your fake friend that you were oh, so using. she told them. Yeah, she goes to Paul Madrowski and Robert Brashi. So she Brashi. just doesn't know how, what, she's a boundaryless informant. She will inform yes. anybody. Like, she's a compulsive informant. I, apparently, yeah. I don't know how she was a criminal for as long as she was, I but it sounds like. I don't think she like is a criminal. I think she's she just kind of for very long with bad friends. Yeah. Okay, and on top of this, as we're going to come to discover, Paul Madrowski is a terrifyingly violent and aggressive person. Sounds like the name of a of a 70s movie director. Yeah, Paul, Paul Madrowski. The latest Paul Madrowski film. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Paul tells her, I'm going to go talk to Dean about all this. With my car, with the front fender of my car. And Nadine never sees Dean again. Yeah, I can see how that how that talk went that way. When they bring Dean's mother in, it turns out that she in fact knows Paul Madrowski. She met him once. Uh, and nobody can find him or Robert Faraci. They expand their search nationwide. They eventually find Faraci down in Clearwater, Florida. Of course. He's been arrested, but of course the arresting people have already released him on bond, so he's in the wind. Months later, they get a tip that Robert Faraci has turned up in Illinois again with his wife. They track him down to a restaurant. They decide not to make a scene in the restaurant, but to wait until he comes out. Oh, because I would hate to make a scene. That I would know. be awful. And so Faraci gives a phone interview on September 10th, 2018, I think to the producers of the show. Oh, they get him. Which is really fucking weird, because these sort of rinky-dink shows never interview the perpetrators, or, or the accused even. And he claims that Madrowski told him that if he didn't go along with a plan to kill Dean, he was going to kill Faraci's wife, Rose. Uh, Faraci claims that during the—and the killing is the classic thing. Horrible. They put Dean in the car. They drive him out to the middle of nowhere. I guess—I don't know why he agreed to go along, because he truly thought these were his friends. Um, they— uh, they they run. They, he tries to run, and then Faraci said, "I tried to run, and Madrowski ran after me." And at this point, Dean was dead, and he made me help him try to cut up the body. How did they kill him? Did they uh, shoot him? Or? I think they shoot him. I hope, so he was dead when they started cutting pieces. Yeah, of him no. Off. Oh, it thank was God. about. Okay. It was this half-assed, hideous attempt to try to dispose of the body. I don't know what they thought they were going to do. I assume they were trying to get rid of the fingerprints, as we see often in these kinds of stories. Okay. His head and hands were never found again, unfortunately. Um, four months later, Paul Madrowski is apprehended near a relative's home in Chicago. They dig into his past, and they find what is like the serial profile of a serial killer. He used to mutilate and torture small animals as a teenager. Everyone in school was terrified of him. They show pictures of him. He's also quite a sort of good-looking guy, which I imagine he used to his diabolical effect to try to manipulate and control people. Faraci, the only real sort of interesting part of this story, it's just a horrible kind of whatever, um, decides to take the stand, and we have an exciting my, a headphone cord moment. I'm telling you, happening. I don't know what is going on with the headphones. This is there. really uh, this there. is a landmark episode in the history of TDPS. You watched a different show, <laughs> so you have nothing to contribute in this moment other than smart remarks, which is usually what I contribute anyway. So yeah, that's absolutely. why I said we would just go ahead and do it because that's almost always what I do. So Farachi decides to take the stand in his own trial against the advice of his attorney. Yeah, that seems like a bad plan. It worked. He got off. The jurors believed his story, believed that he was so terrified of Paul Madrowski that he went along with it, and he was 
was acquitted of murder charges and set free. So he was not giving that interview we heard earlier from jail, as one might assume, with a special like this. And in a separate trial, Paul Madrowski is found guilty of murder, but he disputes Faraci's version of events and maintains his innocence to this day. Which is working out great for him, by yeah. the way. So, I'm sorry. So, they they set the other guy free? Faraci is set free, yeah. So, like, nobody cared about the... Um, the bank fraud and st- trafficking and stolen merchandise charges. Like, okay, so he got off on the murder charges, but he was still on this crime spree. Yeah. Did he not know. get convicted for those things? They may not have had enough proof of it. Like, they may I, they may not have even done the shopping yet. It may have just been all in the planning stages, but I don't think they would have reacted the way they would have if, if they hadn't. They weren't on the hook for something if Dean was going to wrap them out. But, but it, n- there's no mention of that again. But I don't know if it... After there was a murder, I'm not sure there were enough. Like, did they get a sharper image then why dehumidifier? Why would they kill him if they hadn't done it? Because if Dean could rat them out, he would have to have ratted them out for something they'd actually then done. Then they probably did, but it was probably not very much stuff. That's what's so pathetic about the whole story. See, now that's the start that, that I'm sorry, that's the point where I arrive at this story is really fishy. Yeah. Like, the, the FBI informant were involved in this fraud and this fraud and trafficking in stolen merchandise scheme, mm-hmm. then somebody who they say she didn't have anything to do with mm-hmm. without even knowing what his name was because he didn't have a head or any hands or ID, how would they even have known that? Right. Um, is But that's who got murdered. But right. she had nothing to do with it, except she had met him. And the other guy, Madrowski, the psychopath, was friends with the guy's mom. Mm-hmm. And like the parts of this, this is really. And then, so he's let off for the murder, and he they set him free. But what about the fraud and theft stuff? That seems convictable. To yeah, me. No, no, he is not on the. Like, yeah, that's the thing. And Mandrowski has lost all of his appeals and will be in jail for the rest of his life. Well, that seems like somebody ought to be because Dean was, you know, still yeah. dismembered and killed and stuff. But that's really this story is not. Complete. The story that I wanted to hear was what is Nadine's real story? Because she's just as she's depicted again by this reenactress as oh, I was just caught in the middle of all these people and I didn't know what to do. I was like, you knew good and well if you were going to somebody as violent you as Paul Nadrowski yeah. and ratted him out that you were cooking his goose. He was gonna be dead. Yeah. So there was like, something else they were trying to do, or yeah. something there was something else she was trying to get to some other level of yeah. criminality and the FBI didn't give a shit about Dean. Yeah. Okay, so while Dean is missing, his mom found a paper? Yeah, his mom found, finds a paper in his room that indicates he was really struggling in life and that he was trying to cultivate some level of religious faith and he really couldn't do it. And it's very <gasps> sad and she reads it I'm and sorry, cries. sorry, I didn't mean to laugh, but like, I'm sorry, what part of this was... He planning to was he planning a really big donation to the church of his know. choice with his stolen, ill-gotten gains. I yeah, it's just all of it felt really conveniently told. Like he was just desperate for friends, and that's why I, I was like, "Is there a drug history there that they don't want to get into? Why would they avoid that?" You know, like there was just it was like a more and, complicated story had been shrunk down to a postage and stamp. And the mom thinks that killing the person who dismembered her son shouldn't be put to death because that would be too big a mercy. The person she knew in, in advance of the mm-hmm. the murder, this is 
really? <laughs> this reminds me of that song from Rocky Horror Picture Show about when Eddie, when Eddie said he didn't like his teddy, you knew he was a no-good kid, mm. where they're rationalizing their way through the explanation of how it was okay that they killed and ate Eddie. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know that song, right? No, no, yeah. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. I'm not the biggest Rocky Horror Picture Show I am the biggest Rocky Horror Picture Show I know, I know. Yeah, it's really like... Um, uh, makes you cry and a dude. Is that, is that your performance? What? That's the last line of it. Yeah. Um, it's uh, when Eddie said he didn't like his teddy, you knew mm. he wasn't a good kid. But when he threatened your life with a switchblade knife, what a guy makes you cry and a dude. Mm-hmm. Like it's people coming together to create a justification sen- scenario which is does not in any way match up with the facts. I, I don't know what's on with that story, but... I mean, at least the one that I watched was like, okay, I want to yeah. hear about the one that you watched. Do you remember it at all? Oh, yeah, I yeah. do. I mean, I don't remember the level of detail. I don't have the, the I rely on your wonderful notes, so <laughs> I don't know anybody's name. I had this vague feeling you should remind him of the, because ep- I was like, we talked about doing either episode. They were both holiday themed, and I thought, he might do the wrong episode. I did, I did, yeah, I did yeah. Christmas Mass or whatever it was. Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass. Okay, yeah. do you want to, but like, just get to the heart of it. What, was there a hidden story underneath it all like you saw with this one? No, it was no. very cut and dried. It was very direct. It was, the thing that was amusing about it was the sort of, um, it was like, the place where the crime took place wasn't a large enough place for there to be really much doubt. Like yeah. the police kind of knew all the criminals by name. It was like those old seventies or eighties cop shows where, you know, they were on the streets and so they knew the names of all of the people who were bad people. Right. It was like, well, if they're criminals, why don't you just go ahead and arrest them? Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of had like, yeah, the, the, ba- the underlying story was, um, this woman, the narrator is the primary person is the woman um, talking about her sister. Mm-hmm. Her sister was, you know, this wonderful woman and kind of her, she looked up to her and uh, she hoped to be her. She aspired to be her and thought she was sort of this perfect mom. And uh, she, she gets a call. <laughs> She's in bed with her husband and we reenact this. Mm. Husband, and wife. The phone rings. He wakes up, and it's them saying somebody has killed the sister and her whole family. They've Jesus gone to the house and found them all lying dead on the floor. Can't even remember. The, it begins with the police officer is going there, uh, going to the house next door to the murder scene, um, to uh, on a burglary call, mm-hmm. and when he gets there. The officers are there, and he said, why are you all standing out here? And they say, he said, aren't we supposed to be investigating this burglary? And they said, the burglary is the least of our problems. And I was like, well, I'm not sure that that's the way you want to put it. But So they said, come over here, and they show him in the house next door. They realized in the investigation that the house next door had been broken into. Okay. And when they checked into it, they found this entire family dead on the oh, floor. God. Like underneath the Christmas tree. Why? And the children are like... Five and oh, four and no. five, like oh, yeah, God. shot them all. I, this is every holiday crime story we have done has been like a family massacre. It feels that way. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Well, because everybody's home at the holidays. It's yeah. sort of like 
that you know you're you're most likely to be killed on a plane. You're most likely to be killed on during takeoff or landing, but that's because that's when the plane is closest to the ground. Yeah. Um, if everybody's at the house, then it's more likely that they'll all be killed together as opposed to just one of them gets picked off because you don't have to kill all of them on a right. vacation if yeah. everybody else is away at college. Anyway. Well, that's one way. <laughs> yes, I know. But it's like, do you, or, or that there's a family, a, family, a family dynamic at the holidays where people just snap. They just snapped. Oh, well, no, the family wasn't involved at all. Okay, so this they was, were just crossfire. This was a home invasion. Oh, God. This is this hideous. This was a home invasion. Hideous. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. It's okay. It doesn't really matter because this isn't the show we were <laughs> <laughs> It's like Lanyap, like we'd call it in Louisiana. Right, it's just it's a, a little, little extra. It's a little bonus, a little bonus. This is the the extra bowl, the little yeah. bowl of gumbo that you yeah. might get at the end of your, after you, with your, uh, your poor boy because- we're giving out a little land yap because we uh-huh. want to get more customer base built up here at the shop. I'm going to take um, a nap on my windscreen. Uh, on. You're the one who convinced me to tell this story. No, no, so no. You have I'm to good. Stick with I'm it. good. But I think this will be the last episodes of Dead of Winter we'll be doing. I think that's really. Oh, I think yeah. that's really clear. Yeah. And this was... is just in case anyone is curious, which I doubt they are. <laughs> this is the episode Eric watched the one after last Christmas <laughs> in the season, so it's still season one or whatever. Yeah. Uh, season one, episode six. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash thedinnerpartyshow. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio Um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. (laughs) So it's like... We couldn't possibly watch the wrong episodes of a show we liked. We have to do a double serving of a show that we hated. Yeah. (laughs) 
is my Merry fucking is, Christmas, my everyone. My favorite part is that we hated the same things about both shows <laughs> and talked about them for 15 <laughs> minutes before we realized that I hadn't even watched the same show as you. That's my favorite part of this little Christmas lanyap. Yeah, absolutely. Happy holidays. That's what holidays. we should call this episode is Christmas lanyap. Christmas <laughs> lanyap. I don't know if that quite suggests the level of disaster we want to see. It's a bonus, though. Yeah. It was definitely all about a bonus. Yeah. Anyway, so they came home and, uh, you know, uh, but we don't know that. So they, um, what, what they do, so they then <laughs> began, so then they began, um, we don't know what's happened to them, right? right? We know that somebody has come in and killed them all and stolen all of their guns. And so they're like, <sighs> so the community freaks the fuck out because oh they think that some lunatic is out right. heavily armed, really dangerous and may show up at somebody else's house and kill the whole family. Nobody has any idea what the motive was or what was going on or Whatever. I mean, they stole the guns, but anyway, mm-hmm. so they they send out the, they call in these, the three stooges of uh, it, re-encrapment uh, police det- officers mm-hmm. and send them out to canvas the neighborhood. And right. meanwhile, they're having this idiotic conversation. I mean, the, the level of performance mm-hmm. involved in the re-encrapments is Extensive. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just about ready to give up. How about you, Bob? Yes, I've had. I've just about had it with this case. And, right. Well, I, I, there's something I found found out. Or oh, that was what that was the way they revealed it. That was the, there's a reporter outside who wants to know if there are any updates on the case. Wants to know about it. I'm ready for some updates. Well, sir, I found this out. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is terrible. Um, yeah. The, even the the police officer who they were interviewing used the term bingo. Um, when he was talking about when they made the connection. Anyway, so, yeah, one of the neighbors saw this blue car, this blue Plymouth, and it seemed very not supposed to be in this neighborhood. I was like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Yeah, there was some body damage. It was just... just Plymouth-phobe. Just didn't fit in here. It was just not... We don't allow Plymouths around here. NOC, not our cars. Um, Yeah, it's really like, um, okay, wow. Now, um yeah. anyway um so they turns out that um they, and then they discover that the back window of the house has been broken out but taped shut and the guy says you know the only person I know of that commits crimes burglaries like this is this guy and it turns out he drives a blue lemon <gasps> so they go over to his house the they stake it out which is also really just insane. All of this is really being played out in like real time. They show you the stakeout oh, yeah. with two reenactors. Oh, yeah. oh Jesus. Talking Lord. in the front seat of the car. I mean, it's just unbearable. And um and they're bad. Yeah. Um and they may have been American actors. I once again would like to apologize <laughs> to our Canadian listeners. I am not saying that this was bad we love because it was the Canadian people. It does not that. We so love anyway, you. But these actors, yeah. I don't care where they were from yeah. They were not really they stunk the place up or right. the 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 direction was terrible. I don't know, but I think they were bad. Anyway, yeah. so um the car the blue Plymouth shows up and everybody draws down and closes in on the car and and then it's this woman who's like, What the hell, man? <laughs> It's a woman. Yeah, it's some yeah. woman who's like, "What the hell? Why are yeah, you so get away upset?" From me. So she gets, she acts all harumphy and flipped out. And where yeah. is so and so? He's in jail. The guy they're looking for is in jail. The right. one who they think the woman is telling them this. Yeah, the owner oh, of the so, car. Right. 
who's the whatchamacallit, and they say, where'd you get that diamond ring? And she says, my boyfriend gave it to me. Oh, they, they, But he's in jail, so how did he get the ring? So they take her in for questioning because the car that she's driving that she knows nothing about is filled with all of the stolen merchandise. Oh, from, my God. From the whatchamacallit. There's a gun on the seat beside her. I mean, like, really? Like, it was just, it was like, this is, you know, the deep dive into uh, the white trash. Right. <laughs> Totally. Pile. Anyway, um, so they take her down to the, whatchamacallit, and they go after her about the ring. And this is, again, the re They're not oh God, telling me about it, right? And she's the ring was stolen off the, the woman's hand who was lying dead on the floor. It's her oh, her mother's. It was her mother-in-law's ring. The husband had resized for her. And so she was. they know that Jesus. it is. And so they say, well, here, have a, before you make your final decision, she says, I don't know anything about it. Anyway, her boyfriend is isn't the guy they were looking for, it turns out. He's somebody who um, looks like um, he works, he plays for a bad folk rock group. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, so he's the one who gave her the ring, and they say, well, here, have a look at these pictures. So they show her the pictures of the family um, down on the floor, and I mean... Everybody in this whole episode just loses it when they see the pictures of these families. Yeah. Like the officers, everybody bursts into tears. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it they're is. just, it's like they're just so upset by these particular murder victories. There are no, nobody's hardened in this little community. Maybe their first murder ever. Yeah. Um, so she's, that's it. She gives them back the ring very dramatically. Oh. Here, take this. Okay. I don't want anything more to do with it. Um, Later, they show the picture of her posing with the boyfriend with the stolen goods, like <laughs> on the floor, like. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking maybe this reencrapment isn't as an accurate yeah. picture of the way that things went down. Right. Anyway, so they go and they go to combust the guy, and he's gone. But then they get a report that somebody calls in a report that um, that somebody has been seen climbing into the attic of this uh, this house. Mm-hmm. So they go to the house and there's this old couple living in the house and yes, we meet them and we see them and they're like decorating for Christmas and there's this huge crash and the husband, the wife says, or the husband says, did you hear that? And she says, no, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> he says, what's that horrible noise? I have no idea. I don't think there was any noise at all. And so mm-hmm. then bing, 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 there's somebody at the door and it's the police who are just checking it out because they think, well, we've gotten all these crackpot leads, but we'll all go check this one out. They've surrounded the house. Mm-hmm. They get to the door and they say, so, it's you know, is anybody else here? And they were like, no. Mm-hmm. Anything suspicious? Nah. So the big noise that we were just talking about doesn't come up at all. Wow. So they go up to the attic and the guy is in the attic, right? They, they're like, oh, so come down, but the lights are off. So they stand at the foot of the, the the stairs with their guns drawn and say, come down or, you know, whatever, and with your hands up, and the guy comes down, and then he misidentifies himself as the guy they already know is in jail. Oh, that's so suspicious. So they bring him downstairs, and then they, um, they cuff him, and they let him know that they know who he really is and that he did mm-hmm. this horrible crime. And he says, well, this would have gone very differently if I had known that you knew who I actually am. Okay. He would have, because he's heavily armed and yeah. pretty dangerous and right. killed all these people already. Totally. So, mm, yeah. I can see how that I can might see be that. A, okay. a real threat. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, so they busted him and whatever. And they interviewed the woman, the sister and her husband separately in two different locations. They're never shown together, even in a place that looks like it's the same place. It's like it's two very at what I have a places. very important question. Yes. Where at what point did you see all of the kitchen products that you knew were a Canadian and not American? That was when they were in the murder scene house investigating the crime. I see. That scene where I said about the reporter. Mm-hmm. Outside, he wanted an update. That's where the products were. Okay. I was like, I don't know where that GIF bot that came, but that doesn't say GIF on it. So I don't know what that. You don't about. think it was like prop set dressing it GIF, had, like it had the stripes costume on it. GIF peanut butter or whatever it you would had call the it. Stripes on it, but yep. it did not have the. Maybe I just think, why would you do that when it could just say peanut butter? Yeah, totally. <laughs> on it. Um, well, this has been quite a, this has been this quite has been an the episode. episode of, <laughs> That's a flattering, um, flattering yeah, term. Got, there's extra. I don't know if it was extra good, but it was extra. Um, <laughs> it was definitely the extra episode of True Crime TV Club. I, I, I really... I cannot tell you how much it cracked me up when I was, because you were telling this story about, and then the son did this, and then he didn't come home, he didn't pick it. And I'm thinking, well, maybe I missed that part. And that, <laughs> but I don't remember how a son would fit into the story. And then we arrived at a place where I was like, this is not the same episode. Oh, my God. I don't even know that I knew that there were two options. I thought it was always, what was it, Black Mass? Or? No, Last Christmas and Midnight Mass. One takes place after Christmas and the other one took place before Christmas. So Yeah, yeah but there were lots of Christmas decorations, so it still had a Christmas thing. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. <laughs> Well, I'll say. I'll say. Okay, do we want to talk about what we're doing next, given this episode's a smoking well, disaster? I have to say, I think that we should do this, because it's the Lanyap episode. Okay. I think that... Um, that stay tuned at the end of the show because in addition to today's episode, we are also going to include in today's episode "Twas the Night Before Jordan," which is our my favorite Christmas thing that we've ever done. And if you haven't heard it before, you should hear it. And if you have heard it before, you probably want to hear it again because it's so terrific. It's one of my favorite things. It's just a minute or two long, okay, long enough to do that that story or our version of that the yeah. the TDPS version of that particular story and so mm-hmm. I think we should offer that up as our okay. the good part of the land yap in this episode yeah. because it's been such a train wreck <laughs> oh my god but the good news is I think the really good news is is that these shows were so terrible it doesn't make any difference no. that we fucked it up because, I mean I'm glad this didn't happen with the Murdoch dynasty because yeah. that was actually fascinating I don't know how we could have I, watched it wrong well there's there are a bunch of multi-episode Murdoch well it would have been the same story so it would have been slightly better yeah. but we could have watched we could have compared notes we could right. have. this but was just this how was bad just, were your reenactors not as bad as my reenactors yeah, this was just deep dive into um white trash canyon oh, it was just really like the the absolute is everything going okay i knocked over the wastebasket i'm telling you this this episode is cursed i think we should call this the train wreck episode i think that's <laughs> what i'm gonna call it. people will think we did a story of an actual train wreck but you right? know that could be next year true crime t- true crime tv train wreck yeah Absolutely. All right. So over the holidays, um, we are going to be paying tribute to my late mother. It's our first holiday season without 
the amazing Anne Rice in our lives. And normally we would be getting in a car and going out to spend the holidays with her in the desert. But that tradition is no longer. So we will be making new holiday traditions. But here at TDPS, we're going to bring you special encore presentations of some tribute episodes we did to her earlier in the year with some new material tacked on the beginning and the end. <laughs> we did to her earlier in the year. <laughs> <laughs> we besmirched her memory earlier in the year no. with tribute episodes. No, we did together some of her visits here, some of the yes. the times that she came and did and did the, the, the show. She was our first guest ever, and we're going to include that in our special tribute. But before we kick that off, we're going to mark the day of her passing with an encore performance of a special live on location episode celebrating Anne's legacy from Book Bonanza in Dallas, Texas, earlier this year. In addition, we've gone into the archives of The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Derek Shawquin, which was our first show. And we are going to be presenting the first interview she ever did, which was actually, at the time, it was streamed live over our website, because that was how we streamed the show. I'm right, telling you as if you've never heard we before. We thought that that was the thing we were supposed to do at the time, yeah. but we were... Yeah. Um, seriously mistaken. But nobody did podcast. Nobody <laughs> we ever heard were a podcast. seriously mistaken. We were seriously mistaken. Everybody was... thought internet radio was going to be this thing, man. Internet. There were these internet radio studios cropping up all over town where you could rent their space for 70 bucks an right. hour and they would stream your show. And then you were going to be able to listen to it in your yeah. car, on your car internet. And you you kind of can, but podcasts were really not anything. They were Nobody subsidiary. Nobody ever heard of that. Yeah. The, the, those that were happening were people like speaking into their cell phone for five minutes or right. whatever. And that was the whole thing. And so we sort of fell into this. Yes, indeed. In a very strange kind of way. But we started live with a live comedy variety show and Anne was our very first guest. And that's coming up on the following episode. And then we're going to bring you two more after that and uh, we won't spoil the surprise by telling you which ones they are. But uh, they will all be here for you at the dinnerpartyshow.com or wherever you get your so podcasts. we're going to spend Christmas with Anne. Absolutely. Because we can't spend Christmas with Anne. Exactly. I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. So, and now, a surprise performance of The Night Before Jordan, or what are we doing? The Night Before Jordan. Yeah, it was The Night, before, the night Jordan. before Jordan. Absolutely. Uh, and But we'll take everybody out now and, and, and bring the train wreck of an episode, the Christmas train wreck <laughs> episode, to a close. Uh, so until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Merry Christmas. Jordan? Jordan! Jordan! There you are, tippling in the wine cellar. You know, you might actually be cool if the stuff you said actually made sense. That's funny. I, I often think the same thing when I talk to you. What I mean is... You really seem to have drunk a lot of our wine. Yeah, most of it was super old, so Ugh. I figured you'd be throwing it out soon anyway. Not really how wine works. Anyway, I was looking for okay, you. Okay, first of all, I didn't think they would break so easy, and I totally didn't expect them to start screaming either. Okay, let's save that story for a little later. I, I have a surprise for you. In the gift bag room. The gift bag room? Yes. There's a gift bag room? Yes, right through here. After you. Hey, there aren't any gift bags in here. It's just a lot of mops and brooms and stuff. And it's all for you. Really? That's so... Hey, are you trying to trick me? This door is locked. Hey! Hey, let me out of here! I can't stay here. I it's beginning to look like Christmas. Hey.
Okay, what's going on? What's so important? Well, I felt bad after Jordan's little stunt with Twas the Night Before Christmas last week, so I thought we needed to fix it. Yeah, um, sorry about that. Funny story, I told him I wanted to put together a sort of audio Christmas card for the show. And he and didn't he... know what audio meant. He didn't, actually. Are these maps Jamaican? Long story short, I brought the whole cast really? in. Really? Everyone? Well, the TDPS Christmas party is next week, and there's the big announcement, oh, and it's boy. important to me that we redo the whole thing right. Okay, everybody, come on. Really? Come on. All of them, huh? Yeah. You had to invite all, all of them. them? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's that time of the year. How are they all available? Okay, everybody move. Yeah, everybody make it. Yeah, move back. God, it's like we are the world for assholes. Okay, Eric, are we ready, Brandon? Ready. Okay! Up to Timo for the little motherfuckers! Here we go! Oh, God. How much is this gonna cost? Or you could just fire Jordan. I'm sure it'll be great. Shh. Twas the eve before Christmas, the joy shared by all, cause everything was half price here at Poison Creek Mall. The last-minute shoppers were gleeful with panic. But the children's were hellions, pendejo satanic. Oh, that's nice, Lupe. As Lupe O'Neill. Here in the newsroom, we scrambled for relevance. The Republican primaries were more farce than elegance. Their clown car of candidates seemed devoid of a winner, and I counted the minutes till good night and good dinner. A star in the East once predicted good fortune, but that slut Sagittarius has ruined things for everyone. So while I may still be the queen of the stars, I'm currently living in the back of Breck's car. Didn't see that coming, eh? Fuck you, Breck. The specter of Isis has spoiled foreign travels, so I opened a gift shop as my business unraveled. I now sell gift baskets as my new vocation, Designed for the traveler who chooses staycations. I'm Brock. And I'm Bastion. And we're here to say... We're having a party on this Christmas day. Our stunning glass palace will be decked, draped, and lighted. But we want you to know that you're all not invited. Everyone who's anyone will be at our ball. So since you all missed it, best wishes to all... Air quotes! <laughs> Now, Marl and Olsen and each patchwork player, get into costume and makeup and hair. The critics are here for our pageant review, so do a good job or I'll kill all of you. As solstice moon arises in the Bay Area sky, sacred altar prepare, show Heine and I. With chanting and incense, Gaia we evoked. Instead, the fire department came following our smoke. We're loud. And we're Kyle. And we're here for a reason. To restore the true meaning of the Christmas season. With all the distractions and presents to please us. We want to remind you it's still... Two two snaps for Jesus! If your ends are all split and your skin is too dry, we've got a solution that you ought to try. Stop by Chez Chavot, there's never a white. Soon all your friends will say, You look great. And stop by Darnell's for a holiday frock that'll soon put some spirit back into your walk. I'm Beverly Goodly of Beverly's Good Sense. With our seasonal fragrance, Holy Sacraments. 
Now hold on, everybody. I say, I say, you're losing the spirit of the true Christmas day. Instead of these presents and tinsel and trees, you should save all your money and give it to me. No, the holiday season means be of good cheer. So we can stand ass acres like you for the rest of the year. We're Mauritius. And TJ. And I am called Boris. And, and we, we wanted, wanted to wish Jesus greetings in, in chorus. chorus. And I am Natasha, and he is Fitzpatrick. Happy New Year! And his drugs kicked in early, so he's kind of erratic. We're Janice. And Denidia from WeHo City Hall. Bringing non-denominational holiday wishes to all. So while we make merry, our thoughts are not far. To all party people, wherever you are. With the exception of Jordan. Oh, Mr. Queen is kind of hot. We want you to know, we thank you for listening to the Dinner Party Show. Dot com. This is TDPS.